Good morning, South Florida. It's your girl, Super Cindy. Welcome. Happy Sunday to you. I hope you're feeling blessed and highly favored. And if not, you already know I'm going to cheer you up. But we have a guest this morning because you know Community Matters always gives you resources, information. And we are discussing something that I don't care if you're an adult, a child, so many things are happening in this world that we have to discuss this. And on um, our, as our guest is today on Community Matters, make sure you go over to 99jamsmiami.com, our website, so you can see all past episodes. But this morning, I have Mr. Antoine McKenzie Plez. He is a licensed mental health counselor and concentrates on grief and trauma specialist. Okay. We have all been going through a lot of grief a lot of trauma, losing people, whether it be the COVID violence or whatever the situation may be, cancer, all of that. And he even wrote a children's book. And he's, um, there's an, uh, a counseling, I'm, I'm all losing my words, but it's a mental health counseling practice called It's All Grief. And we're going to talk about that as well. He's a member there. So I have Mr. Antoine mackenzie Plez, known as Tuan the Counselor. Good morning, Tuan. How are you? Good morning, Super Cindy. I am great. How are you doing? I am awesome. And, and thank you for joining us this Sunday morning. We have a lot to talk about, so let's get right in it. So you are a licensed mental health counselor who specializes in grief and trauma. So mm -hmm. a lot of that has been going on. September is Suicide Awareness Month. So we got to talk about that. So let's get right into it. What is a grief and trauma specialist? Like, how did you fall as a, a licensed mental health counselor, how did you fall into that category that you're specializing in that? Okay, well, um, what I always say is that if you find someone in any particular field that specializes in a particular thing, you should probably ask them their story, right? Mm. Because um, what you choose to specialize in happens to um, more than likely be a part of your story. So um, I am a grief and trauma specialist um, as a result of my own lived experiences. Mm, um, are you willing happen, to share that with us? I am willing to share it. Yeah, I grew up here, right here in Miami, um, born and raised. Um, and so uh, I'm a late 80s baby. Okay. So, you know, that means a particular thing here in South Florida when you're a late 80s baby in growing up in Miami. And mm -hmm. so um, obviously was exposed to a lot of trauma, a lot of community trauma, a lot of death, a lot of loss that happened around um, the time of, you know, sort of like the ending of the crack epidemic and also the mm. AIDS epidemic and how those two things kind of impacted my own family. Um, in, my, in my own family, uh, dealing with a lot of um, intergenerational trauma, lots of deaths, lots of traumatic loss, lots of things like that. Um, and so what I learned after becoming a clinician is that the way that I processed people's problems and even my own problems was through a grief and trauma lens because that was the way that I grew up. I, I learned things through a grief and trauma lens. So it's, it's one of the ways, and you know, we develop ways to cope with the things that we go through in life and uh, hopefully those things are helpful 
and then we're able to teach them to other people. And then, you know, maybe throughout our training and things like that, we get um, more experience and more education on the topics. Um, and so that has been my journey toward becoming a grief and trauma specialist. First and foremost, because I have had a lot of grief and oh. trauma. And because I have had experience even prior to becoming a therapist, helping other people spiritually, mentally, and in whatever other ways through their grief and trauma. But post degree, um, I'm a specialist because I have done some really focused and specialized training in those areas. So that's my long wow. answer for, for that. No, question. no, no, but it's so interesting. And um, so let's get back into it. So September is Suicide Awareness Month, excuse me. And more Black boys and girls have been killing themselves, committing suicide than ever before. I know the world is like a place that we, every day we're trying to figure out why, how, like, why is all this stuff happening? Why do you think that the suicide numbers are raising within our community with Black children? You know what? Suicide, yes, it is. It is. The numbers are increasing amongst our children, but it's increasing across the board. Really. Mm. And it's happening across the board because there is so much pain in the world. Mm. They're just they're just and, and that's a really simplistic answer for it. But there is a, there is a lot of pain and people don't usually um, complete suicide as a way as a cop out or, you know, some of the things that we were taught um, early in life uh, prior to getting all this new good information about how psychology actually works. Mm -hmm. um, people complete suicide because they just want the pain to end. And so um, I think that the fact that we have such a spike right now is just an indication, it's just sort of like a byproduct of all of the pain, the collective pain that we have in the world just over this last maybe you could say the last decade but specifically this last two to three years yes of this whole like melting pot of issues that we are having to process through all at once um we had not been through a pandemic like this in about a hundred years and so no one was prepared for the mental health fallout that comes from that I think another factor that is beginning to be explored is those of us who have had COVID and survived COVID, the mental health impacts that we are still learning about from that. And then while we talk about COVID, we talk about how much loss we have all experienced as a result of it. And so um, I don't know that we had seen this much loss in the world in a really long time. And so um, I think that those are all factors. Um, but also there's just, there are, there are many other factors when we look at children, we look at our teenagers. Um, you know, I, I say to, to my teens that I work with all the time, sometimes the answer is going back as old school as you possibly can. Um, our kids now do a lot of living online. There's mm. not a whole lot of real socialization. There's yeah. not a whole lot of going outside and, and playing. Conversation, like speaking to someone, looking at them in their eyes, feeling, touching, like the real communication, yeah. Absolutely. And then what, what 
a lot of this um, social media has done is it has uh, decreased empathy in our children. And so um, the bullying is on a whole different level than what it used to be. So super, that, there's just like a whole lot of, <laughs> of different um, aspects of that. that factors, could, yeah, everything. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, too, as an adult, too, I'm, I'm guilty of it. Like when you're scrolling on social media, you'll see someone get hit by a car, like all kinds of violent things. And in the past, you might've been like, oh my God, like, oh, uh, and now you're just like, wow, scroll, keep scrolling and have no yes. feeling about it. And yes. sometimes I catch myself like, what is going on? I just put my phone down, like, let me reset. Yeah. Cause it's like your heart, is, we're not there anymore. Like we're just like robots. We've become so desensitized to it. And, and it has a lot to do with social media. Um, a, another thing, as you were talking, I, I was just reminded, you know what children have to contend with now that we didn't have to contend with as kids wow. is we used to have to, we used to be so annoyed at doing monthly fire drills in school, right? That would come mm -hmm. about and, and it would be annoying. It would interrupt the day. The alarms would be super loud. They would have you standing out in the sun, but you know, it would be over. And it was like a mock situation that very likely wouldn't happen because they had yeah, all kinds of like things. whatever never gonna have a fire right <laughs> but now but, but now hmm. they're doing active shooter drills hmm. and, it and we are we are seeing school shootings happen i mean what is it monthly now that we you, you could just turn on the news and there we go another school shooting and look at how we as a society now as a society now respond to getting that uh, news. I remember Columbine oh, yeah. and how Columbine was, that was the biggest Shocking. thing. We had never yes. seen anything like it. It took us months to recover from just the vicarious trauma of mm -hmm. watching that unfold. Now school shooting happens and we're like, thoughts and prayers. Oh my God. Yeah. 23 kids oh well and five teachers whatever like it's like we look at it and we're like okay well it didn't happen in my school even parkland mm -hmm. that happened close to us okay it happened like it, it's just it's just really sad how sometimes we move i wanted to ask you um as far as grief right so i suffered a grief in, a grief in 2019 i lost my mom and my grandmother but like as time is going by people say you know um it, the pain is better or time heals or like if they find if god forbid someone's involved with a murder and they catch them that's closure but like is grief really is there ever any closure for grief i feel like it's more like you're just everyday coping with that sense of loss more than you know what I mean? Like how do children, as an adult, I'm like learning how to process it. How does a child learn how to process a loss that great, whichever way they, they suffered that loss? Yeah, one of my favorite, favorite topics, and you bring up such a, a, a another question that has so many layers to it. Um, with grief, so I think it's first important that I lay this out, the way I view grief and the reason why I named my practice, it's all grief. is because uh, me and my team, we come from um, a viewpoint that all loss is trauma and all trauma is loss. Therefore it's all grief. Mm. And 
we view those two things as the same because they end up having the same impact on the brain. When you experience a trauma, what you immediately learn is that the world is less safe for you. The world is less predictable. Same thing happens when we experience a loss. For, for whatever reason, no matter how old you are, whenever you experience a loss, it, it has that same impact that trauma has on the brain, which is making you feel as though the world is less predictable, less safe. Um, so all loss gets recorded in the body and the brain the same way as trauma. Um, your question was about like, is there, should there be some stage that you get to where is there no closure or is it just coping or how does a child process those things yeah that is that's uh so you you have some people in the field who think that there is a linear process to how this is supposed to happen we are beginning to understand that that is not really the case um grief is about the body and the brain's response to change in general so um the longer you have lived with, loved, and cared for, for a person, more likely the longer you will grieve that loss uh, once it's gone. And the closer you are with that person, more likely the longer you will grieve that loss. And we have to, we, we have to remember that grief is really your love for that person that has just morphed into something else. And so do we wish away our love because a person has passed away? Do we think we should get to a point where we no longer love that person because they're not here? And that really is the question there. At what point does love end? You can't really um, uh, give an end point for grief because as long as you love the person, as long as you have good memories um, about that person, well, good and bad, just mm -hmm. memories in general about that person, um, there will be grief. So there's no like prescribed length of time for it to happen. I don't know if that answered your question sufficiently, yeah, but. Yeah, I got you. And also, um, I love the fact you brought it up. Your mental health counseling practice is called It's All Grief. Where is it located? And give out the number. Um, we'll give it out again at the end of the show. But if someone has suffered a loss, needs grief counseling that's what your practice you know specializes with mental mm -hmm. health counseling and grief where is it located and how can they reach that practice yeah so we're a group practice um we have mental health counseling services and life coaching services um for the full age range um, we, we specialize with kids all the way up to um, our elders and we are located in fort lauderdale our address is 800 Northeast 62nd Street, suites 406, 404, and 408, uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33334. And what is the number, number if they need to um, set up an appointment or a call? The practice number is 954-412-9698. The speedy way to get in touch with us if, you, if you're needing an appointment. The best way um, to get a quick appointment with us is to email our practice manager. Her name is Whitney, and her email address is Whitney, W-H-I-T-N-E-Y, at itsallgrief.com. 
she'll get you in, she'll, she'll collect your information and get you paired with a therapist as soon as possible. All right, so let's talk about it. School is back in session. Um, what are some of the things that the parents can do to prepare? Because with the traumas of these alarms going off to do a drill and all this stuff, active shooter drills and things like that, what can parents do to prepare to help keep their kids balanced with all these things going around? Um, you know, I think the answer to this will probably also tie in your previous question. Um, I think it's important that we as a community, as adults, as caregivers, take a look at our own beliefs around grief, loss, and trauma, and really begin to reevaluate those beliefs and what we are teaching our children about these things through our actions and through our words. So we have to remember um, that, you know, each generation gets better. Each generation improves its knowledge on how to deal with these kinds of things. Our parents did the best that they could with what they knew. Unfortunately, that that often means that, you know, we were we were taught some things that aren't as helpful. So and, and we have to be careful not to pass those things on to our children, specifically around grief. We look at what are some of our communities attitudes around loss and around mourning. Um, one of the most common things that uh, I have to help young people work through and even some older people work through when processing a loss is I have to help them to unlearn this idea that they need to be strong. And, and whatever that means in, in your family to be strong. For most families, that actually means suppress your feelings Mm -hmm. so that your feelings don't jump on to me yes, <laughs> right. suck it up and keep it moving yep. right and so um telling our kids to be strong sends the absolute wrong message because they don't they don't record that as okay maybe compartmentalize your stuff and deal with it at a time that's most appropriate that might be a more adaptive way of looking at it it's like hey you know i don't want you to fall apart in the middle of class, but if you if you can hold, if you can compartmentalize that and, and find a safe person to talk to, you know, that's not how, the, how children record that. They record that as, I don't get to feel. If I mm -hmm. feel, then I'm weak. Mm -hmm. And so we have to, so little messages like that, be strong for your mama, be strong for your, for your auntie. You know, it's almost like putting this um, immense amount of pressure on a, on a child to suppress their emotions so that the adults don't feel uncomfortable. And that's really why we tell people things like be strong. It's not really about them. It's about, I don't know how I could handle you if not you broke being down strong. in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Oh, God, I never thought of it like that. Like, just like, be strong. God is with you and things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. It's just, please don't break down in front please of me. Please don't break I don't down. Know what I'll do. Yeah, because then I'm going to break down and then I don't mm. know how, how I'm going to help you. And so, um, you know, we uh, there's a there's a new term that I really like. Um, I heard from a, another grief expert in the field. Um, her name is Megan Devine, and she uses the term grief phobic. And as a society, we truly are grief phobic. We've been kind of socialized and trained to be that way. So we don't want to deal. That's right. Let's let's think about the <laughs> subliminal messages 
that our society sends us about grief and loss. They say to you at your job, when you have experienced the loss in your mourning, they say to you, go away, take some time for yourself, but not too much. <laughs> okay. Go, go and take exactly a week. <laughs> get over yourself. And get over it in a week. <laughs> and come back here. And don't you dare fall apart crying on the floor because we're going to deal with that for a few days. But then after that, we might need to talk about whether this is going to work for you or not. Right. And so mm. in, in the same way, we might end up unintentionally sending that same message to our children. Our children are experiencing these traumas and these losses. And then we send them back to school. And because they are struggling, because they may be having some emotional outbursts, because they may have some trouble socializing with kids, those are all kind of normal signs of a child going through grief. Um, we, we tend to you know, send that message that, hey, something's wrong here. You, you got to pull it together. Mm, that's such a different way to look at it because I've never looked at it that way. I'm glad. That's why you who you are and I'm who I am. That's why you, Twan, the counselor. I hear you, Twan. You wrote a children's book. Talk briefly about that. We have a few more minutes to, you know, talk. What, what, what is your children's book about? Yes. So my children's book is about exactly that. I wrote a children's book earlier this year in response to all of the pain um, that I had been hearing from some of the kids that I work with. And that book is called Kareem Learns to Cope with Traumatic Loss. Mm. Um, it's the first in a series of books um, that I'm going to be writing following this character, Kareem, throughout his journey with grief, loss, and trauma. So in this book, um, Kareem is a little black boy. I can actually show you. I know they won't be able to see it on the radio, but I'll show you the, the character himself. Mm. Right. Very so beautiful. Little, yes, little, little, little chocolate boy uh, intentionally did it that way. Um, so in the story, Kareem uh, loses his father in a very traumatic way. Dad goes to work, never comes back home. Mm. And so Kareem is going through all of these different changes and emotions and giving his mom a hard time and things like that. And uh, I use it, the way I wrote the book was really it was, it was education for children, but it was also education for parents. So the book is kind of like a manual. It, it tells a story, but it's helping the parent to understand these are the signs and this is what's happening for your child in that moment. And here are some things you can do to help. Where can they get the book? Like, where do you find it? The book you can find on Amazon or you can find it directly on my website, www.itsallgrief.com forward slash shop um, and it's there uh, you can order a signed copy we'll get it out to you and in addition to the book we also have a companion journal that um, the child and the caregiver can work through together so for those of you who may not be ready to send your kid to therapy per se but, but would like to have some tools to use at home with your kids some reflection tools it's full of like little therapeutic activities um, and that is called the My Grief Journal for Kids. That is so awesome, um, Tuan, that for you to, you know, out of your traumas when you were a child and the things that have happened in your life, to make that the field that you focus on and then to help others that are going through that. Like I see so many tragedies in the community and I speak to a lot of people and really 
honestly don't know what to tell them except I'm sorry. Like, what couldn't you tell them? And just to know that you haven't, like from now on, I will, you know, be speaking about your practice and, and directing people there because so many people, you know, have these issues of dealing with grief from adults that they don't know how to deal with it. And then they have a child to help them through it. But if they're not getting through it, how does a child get through it? So just imagine, but the work that you do, again, let's give out all the websites. So make sure you visit itsallgrief.com. That's Mm -hmm. the practice. And then you can get the book there and everything. And It's All Grief is a mental health counseling practice located at 800 Northeast 62nd Street, Suite 406 and 408. Their number is 954-412-9698. Or you can email Whitney at itsallgrief.com to make an appointment and to find out about if your insurance covers it or what the costs are and everything like that. Tuan the Counselor, it's been so awesome speaking to you. Again, September is Suicide Awareness Month this month. So we'll, we'll be speaking to you again because I really enjoyed speaking to you about everything that you had to say that I never thought of because I'm not a counselor. And so many people need to hear your words. So I just really appreciate you, you know, coming on here and and opening up your doors and letting everybody know. And thank you for your time on this Sunday. Thank you so much for having me on. It is such a pleasure um, to have been invited. I would love to come back um, to further discuss some other topics. That's really what we're all about it. It's all grief. We really want to do as much good in our community as we can. It's your girl, Super Cindy, 99 Jams.